All right, what is up, everyone? This is Speed Truth Sports. I'm Bert, and I'm today I'm joined by Marsh, Trey, as always. And today we're going to be talking about who was the more disappointing one seed: the Utah Jazz in the West or the Philadelphia 76ers in the East. Now, the Jazz lost in the second round to the Los Angeles Clippers in six games, and the Philadelphia 76ers just lost in seven games to the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Sparsh, I'm going to let you kick this off. Who, who do you think has been more disappointing as the one seed? Well, I can, I can, so I'll start off with like Utah first, sort of make a case for that. And then also probably go on into Philly as well. Cause there's probably more we can talk about with Philly, but like, you know, the thing is like with Utah, right? Quinn Schneider last year, he came off of a series where he blew a three, one lead to the, the Murray and Jokic uh, nuggets. Right. And we're sort of seeing that, same thing happened here this series where, you know, they, they had an advantage over the Clippers, right? They were up 2-0, and then they pretty much get reverse swept. And I was watching those games, and I noticed that, like, the Clippers were able to beat the Jazz easily because it was just the same thing over and over again. Like, Quinn Schneider was not able to adjust at all, right? The Clippers, you know, heading into the playoffs, they are the best team at three-point shooting, right? And – you know, they went small ball pretty much most of the time because they don't really have like a mobile cent- center, right? I mean, you don't really need one because what they would usually do in that game, right? Just go straight into the paint, then just drive it out to the three, right? You got Jackson, then you got Morris, and you also had Terrence Mann who was going off at PG and then Kawhi, right? They could easily make the three, and, you know, people are slanting Rudy a lot for this, but. I personally think that, you know, it should also be more like Quinn Schneider because he wasn't able to adjust for that situation a lot. You know, you see Rudy, like he's just going, he's like right in the paint. And then once they dish it out to three, he's just, he has so much distance to cover, but he's, he's unable to make it because he's not really agile for his height. And that same thing kept on happening over and over again. And then there's also that situation where, you know, you have, you have a home game, Kawhi is out with some sort of knee sprain, right? And knee sprains are usually correlated to like ACL injuries, right? So that's pretty concerning. It looks like he was definitely out for that series. But he's still again, you had somebody else step up on the Clippers, right? Somebody else going in. And then again, he's just not adjusting to that as well. I remember in uh, game five, they had the Jazz went off on such a hot like shooting streak. I believe they made like 15 out of like 18 threes in in the first half and then after that they finished like their three point 20 out of 53 right and it sort of reminds me back to like that the houston days you know with harden and chris ball i remember that series i don't know what year it was off the top of my head but they missed like 27 straight threes right and the jazz are like an example of this live by the three die by the three team and you know they haven't been able to make those shots quinn schneider hasn't been adjusting and, you know, that was sort of like the biggest downfall for their franchise. And, you know, he's choked a couple of times, but then, you know, we can also make a case for Doc Rivers and his history as well. And I'll, I'll let Trey sort of go into that. Well, actually, oh, no, Doc. before we get into that, before we get into that real quick, I do want to say to, to kind of defend Quinn Snyder a little bit, he's, he's kind of forced to play Rudy Gobert, even if he's at a mismatch. Because not only is, the, is he their highest paid player, but he's one of their all-stars, their defensive player of the year. He's kind of 
his hands are kind of tied behind his back. He kind of has to play Rudy Gobert. If he doesn't, then Rudy Gobert is going to start complaining. The locker rooms are going to start getting toxic. A whole mess and whole slew of things will happen. So even though he didn't make that many adjustments, you're right. He could have made adjustments elsewhere. I, I feel like he, his hands were tied behind his back with Rudy Gobert. Yeah, there is some sort of like levy, right? Like I, I don't really know like sort of what else you could really do in that situation because when you take Gobert out, then who's your big man there, you know, with like the rim presence, right? And also credits to Rudy because of Rudy, like the Jazz are the number one rebounding team as well. But it's just that it's just that small ball, like was just able to dismantle the Jazz so easily, right? And, you know, the Jazz, they go so hot from the three in the beginning. But then after that, you know, they just really start to cool off right after, you know, they played really fast throughout this like series and they just haven't really been able to slow down and sort of take control of the game as well. Right. Mm-hmm. That's also another reason why they just really blew this series, which I honestly expected them to win, especially when Kawhi went out too. Cause I never saw like somebody like Terrence Mann being able to drop like 39 in another game, especially when, you know, prior to that, he was just averaging like single digit points. Yeah. And like, I think some of that was definitely Mike Conley being out. I mean, you could tell how much the team missed his presence he was a big uh, scoring asset for them in the regular season. But, I, you know, Donovan Mitchell was also playing injured. And towards the end of those games, a lot of people were making fun of him because he was airballing constantly. But, I mean, that man was hurt, and he's not a shooter. Like, that's not his game. So Yeah, and to add to that, right, like with the loss of Conley, right, now you have to run the offense a lot more through Donovan Mitchell, right? And, then, you know, with Conley there, Mitchell is definitely relieved more off ball can be able to space the floor out better, but, you know, I guess, I guess we could say that, you know, with Schneider, it's like it's not being able to make the proper adjustment. It's just the injuries have also been such a terrible thing to happen, right? Even though it is part of the game, but it really derailed uh, this team mm-hmm. uh, during this playoffs. Right? Yeah, and all those threes that Donovan Mitchell was taking towards the end, I feel like Boyan Bogdanovich should have been taking those because he was making them. Um, but, Trey, how do you feel about this Jazz team? Um, for me, the Jazz – you know, when I saw them lose their first game against the Grizzlies, I kind of knew, like, I'm not going to say um, I knew they were done because obviously Mitchell didn't play a game. And then once he came back, they pretty much gentlemen swept the the Grizzlies. I just felt like for me, the Jazz just wasn't a deep enough team to go beyond to the next level. Um, you know, Mike Conley, he's a very important part of their team. I mean, he's now I can say he's officially an all-star. Um, he's a pretty much their main facilitator. I, a lot of the offense runs through him. And, you know, he's such a good veteran presence. And he knows the game. He's such a seasoned player. And he's really pivotal. And, you know, it really showed that he was really important to that team. Him not being there for most of a Clippers series, um, you know, definitely played a big factor into why they lost. But I think when, when Kawhi went out, I feel like, just like Sparks said, I kind of, we, we all kind of assumed that this is their time to take advantage of them. And, you know, game five, it seemed like, oh, the Clippers are definitely going to lose their, you know, the Jazz were going off. They were crazy. But then they just burnt out and the Clippers just came back and everything just clicked at the same time. You know, I went – this whole playoff series, Allen's getting Paul George a hard time. You know, pandemic PE, they called them pretty much everything in the books. 
now they're calling him Pfizer P and <laughs> and now you know I, he he proved himself and I, I'm glad he did and I'm you know yeah, good for him but the Jazz is the one seed you know the best best record in the NBA we all have to take that into consideration they had the best record in the NBA and they just burnt out so poorly and you know it, I think what kind of summarized the series for me was Terrence Mann getting two posters back-to-back games on Rudy Gobert and I just felt like that should have never happened but at the same time the Clippers I, I've been saying this for a long time the Clippers are the deepest team they have the deepest roster in the NBA and Tyra Lu definitely unlike Doc Rivers took advantage of that you know there's a lot of great players a lot of players ready to step up next man up and the Clippers I'm glad that's their mentality this year compared to previous years because the talent's always been there but the coaching was not and I feel like the adjustments they made and having Rondo there as the leader um, you know off the bench as well even though he really played that many games um, in that series it it was all important you know and I'm just for me I just feel like you guys said most of the things I wanted to say but for me personally I just feel like the Jazz they're a little bit more disappointing um, you know, just taking consideration that one of the highest scoring offenses uh, coming into the playoffs, um, they were one of the highest rebounding teams coming into the playoffs. There was a lot working in their favor, but I think just a consideration of injuries from Mitchell, Conley, even Gobert was a little hurt up, hurt in that last game after Terrence Mann faked him out. He was walking around a little gingerly for a while, but there was just, you know, there was a lot of poor adjustments, a lot of uh, missed opportunities. I feel like they probably could have played, and call me crazy, probably could have played Derek Favors as the five and then probably stretched the floor a little bit, little bit more, you know, and attack the perimeters because Gobert, you know, as, as, as tall and long as he is, um, he's just not fast and he really cannot cover that much ground. And, you know, it's, it's a struggle for them. And I don't know what's next for the Jazz. They have a, a lot of big, two big contracts in Mitchell and Gobert, but I just feel like, I just don't know what they're going to do from here on out. You know, they kind yeah. of feel stuck. Like, you know, it's it's like, where do the Jazz go from here? It kind of feels like they might have to trade Gobert. Um, I'm not sure if they will. I probably, I, they probably won't. But it's like, how many other ways can this team improve? I mean, they have the 30th pick in the draft this year. Will that get you maybe a, a, an okay role player? Sure, maybe. Could you draft the next, you know, Tyrese Maxey at 30? Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. But, you know, it, there's not many ways for the Jazz to really improve right now. I mean, they're, you know, like you said, they're about to pay Donovan Mitchell. They're cash-strapped. Uh, but you're right. They were the number one seed. They were the best team in the league, and they were in the toughest they were in the toughest conference in the league. The Western Conference was a – it was a bloodbath. I mean, the, the t- like, the if, – if you if you messed up a couple of games, you would slip down, like, three seeds. Like, it was, it, it was a really tight race uh, in the West. But, like – Historically, I mean, the one seed usually actually has a lower percent chance of winning the championship than the two or three seed. The two or three seed are actually more likely to win, to go all the way. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, I might just be, you know, maybe the one seed is exerting too much energy in the regular season to get that one seed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but typically you don't see a one seed lose in the second round. And this happened for both for both conferences this year. Like, Sparsh, do you want to go? Uh, do you want to start on your 
your Sixers little Sixers tirade. Sixers tirade, man. It's kind of like yesterday we were just slandering Ben. I guess now slander Doc, right? (laughs) (laughs) See, the thing is, like with Doc, right? He's just got such a really, really bad history about him. I know, like the media praises him a lot, but when you really start to look at like the total magnitude of all the things that he's done. And with the squads that he's had too, like he ha- he hasn't like coached like scrubs, right? He's had like really great players on his team. And like, I just pulled up this graphic over here. There's like from 2009 till 2013, he had four chances where he was up three, two. He blew all of those, right? Then he also blows a three, one lead in 2015, 2016. He was up two zero and loses four straight loses at game seven to Utah in 2017. 3-1 lead blown again last year in the in the bubble to Denver, who managed to come back from two 3-1 deficits. I have no idea how, even to this day. I, I, I called it both times, man. Jamal Murray is the truth. Jamal Murray is the truth. Man. I actually think they had three double-digit leads, but that's just not – they had three double-digit leads in that. I was just so surprised that happened. And then even in this series too, right, when they were up against Atlanta, they had a chance to go up like 3-1, right? They blow that 18-point lead. And then the next team, they were up by 26. And I was talking with you about it. Like, after they were up by, like, 24, I was just like, okay, this game's definitely over. You took a nap. Yeah. Like, I I went to, like, cook dinner and then, like, come back. And I'm just like, oh, my God. You got to be kidding me, right? Like, this is really happening right now. Like, the Hawks are actually making a comeback. (laughs) And then after that, game seven, it's just, like, he's not putting the right players on. You know, it's – and like, because you know, like in Game Six, right? Maxi, once he put Maxi in, because Ben Simmons was in lots of foul trouble over there, right? Maxi was able to sort of generate the offense a lot better than Simmons, right? And I mean, we all know how Simmons has been like this playoffs; hasn't been able to score at all. But then in Game Seven, he doesn't put Maxi in for much. I think he only puts him in for like 15 minutes, and he's closing the games with like George Hill and Shake Milton. And like George Hill was like a mid-season like acquire and like doesn't play him much and then all of a sudden he's like kind of the closing point guard and he barely played shake milton to like towards the end of the season and he didn't play him much in the in the earlier playoffs so he yeah. was coming in he was he, there was a lot of pressure on shake milton out of nowhere to just like close the game close the game this, this it was one of the weirdest games too because i believe there was a time where doc had a 10-man lineup in the playoffs I, I don't know why you would even like sort of resort to that you know like usually they go what like seven man right it's usually seven, eight, eight, yeah. seven, eight, eight man rotation, but then this guy went for 10 <laughs> and I don't know how, you know, like, and so one thing that I just recalled, I remember when they blew the three, one lead last year and then went on his thoughts about like the Clippers next year with Ty Louie. He's like, you know, you're going to see the same thing again. All right. What you, what you see with me, you'll see with Ty Lue, but then this time what you see with Ty Lue after, you know, they go down Oh two twice. Ty Lue's able to sort of make those adjustments properly, implement the zone better, and they were easily able to sort of just take care of the Mavericks and the and the Utah Jazz after that. And here we are, right? In this Sixers series, right? Like the even like the Hawks, they're also missing some players as well to injury. They're missing Cameron-ish, right? And they're also missing DeAndre Hunter, right? DeAndre Hunter is like what 15 points per game, right? And he's also a really good three and D type of player, right? That was a really huge loss. That was a really huge loss for Atlanta, right? But still, like, they weren't really able to do 
well against uh, Atlanta when you you got like these guys, you know, Trey Young shooting like 29 feet, like near the logo last game, right? And then you got like Herder going off for 27. You got John Collins going like 14 and 16, you know, like, like Doc has not been really able to sort of adjust to the other guys going off, right? I mean, yeah, Trey Young, he was being defended pretty well by Simmons and Thibault, but like, then when you got all these other guys sort of going off, it's like, you know, what are you really sort of implementing here? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to really make sense with what you're kind of putting on and also with all these crazy lineups as well. Yeah, I, that's one of the biggest issues I have with Doc and with this playoff series is that Doc doesn't trust his rookies, like at all. He doesn't trust any, any player that's below the age of 24, like 25, you know what, probably like 30. He doesn't trust anybody below the age of 30 with consistent like minutes. And it really hurts the team because look, this is just me, you know, I don't think you should be playing players based on how old they are. I think you should be playing them based on who's the best, like who is going to score the most, who is going to create, who is going to help lead your team to a win. Tyrese Maxey, if, if Doc Rivers uh, had let him, could have had a Terrence Mann type game. And that's how strongly I feel. I really like Tyrese Maxey. I feel like he could have had Terrence Mann type, a Terrence Mann esque game to help the 76ers, but he didn't give him that chance. And this is one of the biggest differences you see between Ty Lue and Doc Rivers is that Ty Lue is much more willing to just play whoever the best players are on the court. And so he played Terrence Mann because he was lighting it up and he played him again and it worked out. Right. I, I mean, th- this is, you know, and another thing about Doc is that he just, you're right. He's really bad at adjustments. And that's another difference between him and Ty Lue is that Ty Lue is one of the best people at making adjustments. A lot of people slander Ty Lue. Trey, I know you've been guilty of, of this too. <laughs> of saying, I was, I agree. Uh, of saying LeBron carried him. LeBron carried him. He no. did. And that, and that no, get- no, 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 no. That, that series does not, they do not come back from three, one with David Blatt as their head coach. Not. You can't okay, tell yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely not come back with like David and Blatt. Look, I got the book. I got the book on the 3-1 comeback written by Brian Winhorst. I forgot exactly what it was called, but it, it's a book about what was going on in the locker room and all that. And Ty Lue was doing so much behind the scenes that nobody gives him credit for. He was doing so much behind the scenes to rally the guys, giving them hope, making it good adjustments. Uh, taking players out when they were cold, putting play, keeping players in when they were hot. You know, he just did everything right as you could do as a coach. And look, yeah, sure, Ty Lue, he needs a few games to start getting his adjustments going. But once he has the film on what the other team is doing with him and he makes the adjustments, if the other coach isn't good at making adjustments, the series is over. We saw that with the Jazz series. Gwen Satter wasn't making any adjustments. Ty Lue took the first two games. Watch the film. It's like, all right, I need to change this. I need to change this. I need to change this. Changed it. Bam. Reverse sweep, basically. And that's not something that Doc Rivers does. He's he's the other type of coach where he just he's just like, well, we're just gonna play our game. We're just gonna beat you. But you can't always do that, especially other teams directly countering what you're doing. Yeah, I was. You guys were giving uh, Doc Rivers a hard time, and rightfully so. But let's not forget the fact that. The Sixers players themselves kind of sold in certain games. Um, they get back to game five, second second half of the game. Only Seth Curry and Joel Embiid scored points. That's unacceptable. Tobias Harris had four points. Ben Simmons 
had less than 10 points. You know, it's it's a team effort at, at the end of the day. I know the coach holds a lot of weight, but, you know, the players aren't executing on their part as well. You know, there's only so much you could do uh, coaching. You know, you can't m- make your players make shots. Yeah. You know, Ben Simmons being a, 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 a bad free throw shooter, you, you you know, you can't coach that. I mean, I mean, you, you can, but him not playing well, you know, that played a big factor into why they struggled so much. You know, that's your secondary star and, you know, he still hasn't had a jump shot, let alone a reliable one. Um, I think one of you guys said he didn't shoot a jumper outside of like eight feet or so um, in this playoff series. And it's just, it's bad. You know, it's gotten to a point where, I, I mean, you guys made a whole video on it, so I'm not going to get too much on Simmons right now. But it's, it's gotten to a point where they got to move on from him. They, I, I know they want to keep trying to say, oh, we're going to give him a jump shot, get him a jump shot. I don't know. I mean, you know, you're this many years into the NBA. I mean, I don't know what more you can say. Um, you know, the players did let down a lot in the series as well. You know, it was kind of hard to watch at times, watching them blow those leads. Um, it was just so painful. And, you know, I know Doc's really catching the most flack for it because of poor in-game adjustments and all that. But, you know, the players, they they also deserve some, some flack for that. Just bad execution all around. And, you know, it's a shame. Because you would think after they got rid of Brett Brown and let go of um, Jimmy Butler and, you know, all that other stuff, you'd think, maybe they would finally do it. You know, they were the one seed. They were a good regular season team. They were one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Uh, I think they had one of the second or the, I think they had the second highest defensive rating in the NBA uh, in the regular season. And then look at it now, you know, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. If you can't score, you're not going to win. So Mm -hmm. it's a shame. Yeah. You do make a good point about the players. You know, the, the coach can't force him to hit shots. But to me, how I kind of view the coach is that he's just – he's the manager of the game. You know, he, he has to put the team before the game in the best position to win. He has to make uh, timely rotations within the game. He has the power to control the momentum of the game, calling timeouts, subbing certain guys in, leaving certain guys in. There's a lot that a coach has to, you know, take care of. And I just feel like Doc wasn't – putting his guys in the, in the best position to win before the game. And I feel like in the game, he also let them down with his adjustments. Another thing that we can yeah. sort of say to sort of support, you know, Doc and just not really put all the blame on him, right? Like it, it's a team game, but also it's just like how this roster is kind of constructed too, right? You would, Where you have Ben Simmons as a point guard, like that just doesn't seem like a position that he should play, right? Because then you got him like going like, going to pass to somebody but then he goes right under the basket right and like doc rivers cannot even play players like ben simmons and dwight howard on at the same time because then all of a sudden now you got like two guys under the basket and then you got three guys outside and just like the spacing is kind of ruined there right and then you know like the moment sort of simmons goes right under the basket then you got Embiid sort of outside like the key either he's going to take some three or some like contested mid-range where he could definitely be much better and the paint as well. I mean, that we could also like talk about like, you know, the Philly off season later for some other video, but like this, this roster is actually like a lot more of kind of a mess. And, you know, I thought it would be right. Cause then like, 
the way that sort of the offense is run, you know, when Simmons is on the floor, it just it, they just don't seem to sort of complement each other well, right? You know, like the sum of the parts is greater than you know the whole or whatever. But you know, like when you have Simmons and Embiid, it's just one cannot fully benefit sort of without the other, right? I I kind of disagree with you on that. I think the roster is built really well around trying to help Ben Simmons. Uh, I do agree with you know. I've always never really viewed Ben Simmons as like a point guard, point guard. I know he distributes the ball and that's the stereotype for the point guard position, but he shouldn't necessarily, I feel like he shouldn't necessarily be playing point guard. Uh, I've always seen him as more of a small forward. Uh, his, I mean, his height just bears that in general. Like that's, you know, and he has so much defensive versatility and all that. Well, we talked all, we talked all about Ben Simmons on the last episode on the last video, go check that out. Um, but getting back to like talking about who was more disappointing between the Jazz and the Sixers, what were your expectations for both teams going in? Because I feel a lot of people had the Jazz like losing in the second round in general to uh, to the Clippers like before the playoffs started. And I feel with the Sixers, I feel like they were expected to have the easiest path right to the conference finals and possibly have a real chance to make the finals. I feel like the Sixers had higher expectations. So who, 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 in terms of disappointing, like, would you guys say the Jazz are more disappointing or would you say you're more disappointed in the Sixers? Good question. I mean, like now that I think about it, right, because of what sort of my expectations at the beginning of all this, right, at the very beginning, I sort of had, I sort of expected a Jazz and Suns Western Conference finals. And I, I honestly thought that the Jazz would sort of make it out and go into the Western I mean, and go into the finals, right? But then for me, sort of what I predicted um, was that Philly would definitely make the Eastern Conference finals. But I always believed that sort of the other bracket, the other side of the bracket where it was Brooklyn or Milwaukee, I felt like the winner of those two would definitely make it out of the East and beat Philly within like six. So I guess, you know, like now that I think about it, the Jazz were probably like a more... Uh, disappointment uh, than the Sixers of this series, right? Trey, who, who do you got? I mean, if you remember our uh, playoff prediction video, I had the Sixers, I think, in the Eastern Conference Finals. And Jazz, I think they, I had them in the Western, Western Conference Finals. So I had them in the same areas. Um, but just watching it with context, you know, I, I – the, the Clippers and the Hawks are both solid teams. You know, the Clippers, you know, obviously with Kawhi and Paul George, they're always going to be competitors. The Hawks just, I don't know where, such a scrappy team, young team. Um, the coach has a chip on his shoulder after being fired. You know, there's so much riding for that team. And just they're having a Cinderella story right now. So, I'll, and plus they played in two hostile uh, areas with New York and you know Philadelphia those are some of the most ruthless fans in sports in general and um, the fact that they made it out so well and you know in the fashion they did just I don't know I give I I want to give Hawks a little bit more credit uh that I give you know per usual because I'm not a big Trey Young fan but I can't even hate on Trey Young anymore because he's balling out you know, ice tray. I really can't. I mean, he was ice tray game seven. You know, he's like five of 23, but hey, you know, he still won. He got the dub and now he's going to the Eastern Conference finals. 
But I guess in the sense of disappointment, in context, after Kawhi went down, I really thought the Jazz were really going to pull it out. I felt like this was their time. And, you know, no disrespect to Paul George, I kind of felt like after a while, maybe he would have burnt out and kind of just reverted back to just kind of his old ways where we hype him up and say, hey, I'll play, play off P and all that stuff. And then he just kind of fizzled out. No offense to Paul George, of course. Um, but, you know, I just that's how I, how I kind of saw it play out in, in my head originally. So for me, I like I said, the Jazz, the best team in the NBA record-wise, you know, they were one of the best scoring teams. They were a good, solid defensive team. Um, there was a lot going for that team going, going into the playoffs. And just to see them lose in such a fashion like this, where they essentially, like you guys both said, got reverse swept. It's just bad. And yeah. I just felt like it was, I just felt like for me the Jazz was just a little bit more disappointing. They also had that they also had such a crazy like home court as well, like the Utah Jazz. Like that's also like that's probably like the most ruthless the wrong home court, like out there. And like to think <laughs> and, to, and to see, yeah, for the wrong reasons. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh they're a crazy bunch, but you know, like just they came up with Kawhi out, and then, and then these Clippers are still able to steal like, like a home court from them. It's just like you know, I I really did not see that coming at all, right? I mean, at least with the Sixers, it's sort of more predictable because you know there's kind of it's kind of like messy over there with the situation how the lineup is, right? But I never really saw this coming from the Jazz, right? I did not expect them to sort of get mishandled like this so easily. Right, because the Clippers made pretty easy work of them in some games. Right, even when they were down by twenty, then they just miraculously come back in the second half. And it's just a complete reverse of the tables. Right. Yeah, I also want to get one more thing in there before Bird speaks. Of course, sorry, Bird, yeah. to cut yeah. you off. But um, <laughs> just like it's it, like it is the fact that they lost in six compared to the six who lost in seven. Uh, um, you know, six games. In that fashion, it's just – it's bad. And, you know, um, I think it's really bad just to really think about it. Terrence Mann was the hero. And the bench players, players you wouldn't expect just blew up on the Jazz. It's like people they should have took, like, taken care of were the people who went off on them the most. You know, Paul George is always going to get his 20-plus points, you know, efficiently or inefficiently. You know, it just happens that way. But to have Terrence Mann have a career-high 39 points, to have Marcus Morris score 25 points on them, to have all these players that you wouldn't expect, you know, when, when they're down, uh, Serge Ibaka, uh, Kawhi Leonard, you know, to have all those players down and then they let the bench players really go off on you, it just it makes you really question a lot. And, you know, and then not like they have bad players on their bench either because Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles were both in contention for six-man of the year. Um, the roster for the Jazz is so talented. And with Mike Conley or not, it's a talented roster. Um, obviously, they could have used Mike Conley for most of the series, but it's just, for me, the Jazz really just really let me down. And you know, I'm not even a Utah Jazz, Jazz fan. I'm disappointed in them, so... It's just yeah. A shame. It was just it was just such a mess too. Like then you see like Pat Bev going off like from the three as well. It's just like, man, what are you doing at this point? Like you got <laughs> Pat Bev out here just like smoking it from the three at the same spot too. And it's just like, 
man, what are you going to do about this? They're, they're coming back. They're coming back. And it's just like, Oh wait, they're up by 10. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all over. Yeah. I, I'm going to disagree. I'm going with the Sixers. I mean, the, the thing with the jazz is uh, I'm kind of penciling in the, the Conley injury as like a, eh, like I kind of, all right. Like if Conley's not there, they're going up against a really talented Clippers team. Like you said, they got some of the best depth in, in the league uh, and they're in the Western conference and the toughest conference um, in the NBA. I didn't necessarily expect them to make the finals. I didn't think they would. Uh, I had them as like a pencil into the Western conference, but you know, I, I said I could, see the, the series going either way for the the Clippers and Jazz the meanwhile in the east I thought the Sixers were kind of a shoe-in for the west for the eastern conference finals I kind of you know I would wrote I would have written that in pen you know I, I think everyone did I think everyone most people just immediately like oh yeah yeah like Sixers got a really easy road to the conference finals they'll get there but the challenge is who they face in the conference finals that, I don't know. I don't know if that was the case with the, with the Jazz. I mean, I, I know a lot of people didn't believe in the Clippers team. I didn't believe in the Clippers team at first. I, I'll, I'll admit that. Uh, but at the same time, like, they have so much talent. And no offense to the Hawks because they're a great team. I love their team. Uh, but they're a less talented team. They're, and they were missing DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, two of their best defenders. DeAndre Hunter actually being their best perimeter defender. And they still found a way to win the series. Like that's, that's when you really got to start looking at yourself in the mirror as just as an organization, as, a, and you know, all the coaches, all the players need to look at themselves and be like, you know, what went wrong here? And for me, y'all already know where I stand on it. I think Ben Simmons and Doc Rivers should get the, you know, the line share of the blame on that. But, you know, the, the jazz were kind of at a disadvantage. Meanwhile, the Sixers were at an advantage in terms of injuries, you know, the, the, Sixers had a full healthy roster for the most part. I know Embiid was playing with a torn meniscus, but he was still putting up, you know, like 30 a night. He was still going out there and doing his thing. And he was pretty efficient for the most part. He had a couple games where he just wasn't good. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, the Sixers, they fielded a full group of guys. The Hawks were missing two people, two rotation players, and they still pulled out the series. In, in the series that nobody picked them to win at all, People were, some people were picking the Clippers against the, against the Jazz, but like nobody was picking the Hawks against the Sixers. Like no, no, no big analyst or no big TV person was picking the Hawks. It was all just Sixers, Sixers, Sixers. Yeah, they got this. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league. Their offense should have been much better. And Sparsh, I know you said that they can't really play Ben Simmons and Dwight Howard together or Doc couldn't, but the thing is he did and he did it like, he did a decent bit to the point where you know it really bogged them down and like like I said like I just don't think I think the biggest two factors were biggest three factors were one Embiid's torn meniscus two but he was still playing so it's not as big two Doc Rivers and his you know not living up to expectations as the coach of the one seed and Ben Simmons playing horrible (laughs) horrible basketball uh, for, for the last four games. I mean, that was just, you know, he didn't score a single point in the fourth quarter in the last four games of that series. Like you can't do that. And I just feel like, you know, the Sixers had higher expectations of them or had a higher potential to be like, Oh, they could make the finals. Whereas I feel like most people were like the jazz, eh. you know, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I feel like everyone's like the Sixers have a good shot. Like I, I saw a lot of people online talking about this. Yeah. Hey, don't sleep on the Sixers. The Sixers could do it. I mean, I, I never 
bought into the Sixers, but even I had them in the conference finals. Like, like, so I, I got the Sixers as my most disappointing team. I guess we could just officially say that, you know, trusting the process is just over now. That, that's <laughs> yeah, the process if, is done. You gotta start if the you're still, if you're me. still trusting it, I, I don't know, but get, get to, like, go seek some help at this point. They whiffed it's not so going to get things. any better if you keep trusting yeah. it. I was going to say this for um, the Clippers as well. I think one of the reasons why a lot of people had the Jazz winning that series is historically the Clippers never made it to the Western Conference Finals. Mm. So I feel like history, everyone kind of was going along with history, like, oh, they're going to find some way to lose, not make it out, and the Jazz is going to make it to the Western Conference Finals. That was kind of how I kind of saw it as well. And I think that, I think based off history, that's kind of how I felt, and that's why – it kind of leads me into the point why I, why I believe the Jazz were more disappointing. But at the same time, the Sixers are coached by the only player, the only, excuse me, uh, coached by the only coach to ever have blown a 3-1 league in, lead in three different decades, 2010, 2010s, no, 2000, 2010s, and 2020s. So, um, you know, there's, there's always something. <laughs> I forgot to share a little, um, little group of statistics that um, – I got, I got this from basketball forever at basketball forever on Instagram. Uh, they compiled a bunch of these slandering doc river stats. So um, doc rivers lost nine game sevens so far. And that's the most in NBA history. He's lost five game sevens at home, which is the most in NBA history. He's lost each of his last four game sevens, which is tied for the worst streak in NBA history. He has 29 losses in potential closeout games, the most in NBA history. His 34% win percentage in closeout games among coaches with 20-plus games is the worst in NBA history. Look, man. <laughs> that's just terrible, dude. That is, yeah. That's so bad. I mean, if you kind of look at it from the other way, you can, you can be like, well, considering Doc's history – I expected the, the the Sixers to do this. You could make that argument, but I don't know. I feel like, like you said, but like earlier, I, I just feel like a lot of people were just talking about um, like, like, like Doc Rivers himself was like, Tyler will have the same problems. He didn't. Uh, Paul George was saying Doc wasn't using me right. He was playing really bad last year. Now he's playing, he's playing very good. He's playing very solid basketball. He's only had a, a few bad games. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. I, I don't like how Doc conducted himself in that exit with the Clippers. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, Ty Lue came in there and just picked up the slack, brought him to their first ever Western Conference Finals. And y'all need to start putting respect on Ty Lue's name. Ty Lue needs respect on his name, man. He's definitely he's getting my his respect. name up there. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely getting my respect right now. So. All right. Well, this has turned into a – podcast length episode so i might like just label it as a the podcast for the week <laughs> but, uh, yeah. thank you all thank you all for uh for tuning in uh if you you know if you enjoy this type of content nba talk uh we're doing some nfl talk later on in the season uh go ahead and hit that subscribe button follow us do all that good stuff like share subscribe uh and also check out our podcast uh, this is probably going to be a podcast episode. Check out the rest of our episodes. We have we got some other stuff there. The YouTube channel has a bunch of videos that are separate from the podcast. And check out our website. Our website is going to have some articles up there. I'm going to be putting out a mock draft either tomorrow or the day after when the lottery is done. And yeah, that's all. That's all I really got to say. So 
Any closing thoughts from you two? Well, I mean, I don't know what else to really say. I mean, don't trust the process anymore. That's it. That's all. I <laughs> uh, just wanted to say that again. I'll say this. Now that I, you mentioned Doc Rivers so much, as like, you know what? He's probably the reason – he probably contributed to most of those second-round exits, exits with the Clippers in the general. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I can put a lot of blame on him when it comes to them not making the Western Conference Finals prior to this year. So yeah, A lot of that was uh, – and a lot of that was Doc Rivers. Uh, but, the, but the 3-1 lead to the Rockets, that should never yeah, – That was, that was Doc Rivers single-handedly. That was single-handedly him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. That was, <laughs> all right. Well, that was bad. <laughs> all right. Well, this has been Bert. Oh, this is Sparsh. Trey, as always. And we will catch you guys next time. Uh, I guess now it's officially on the next episode of the Speech You Sports Podcast. See you guys later. Take it easy.